0: Well, good morning, everyone, and we continue on our series, our brand new series on my favorite chapter of the Bible, Romans chapter 8. Some people consider it the greatest chapter in the whole Bible, and last week we talked about the simple fact that for those who have put their faith in Christ, those who can say today that they're born again, that you're a believer, there is no condemnation for you. You are free of it. You are free of judgment, free of condemnation. You belong to Jesus. Now, the reason we had to talk about that is because for so many of us, we revert back to old ways. We still think of ourselves as people that have to somehow try to win God's favor, that somehow we've got to prove ourselves, and that in that way, we would find God's approval. It's a, it's a terrible cycle, actually, that we get into. Forgetting, forgetting that when we became Christians, we put our faith in Jesus, who is the only one who has ever been able to keep the law. We think that somehow we've got to keep all the rules and never make a mistake. And so what happens is that we begin to, uh, to work hard at it. We try, try to just be good, try never to make a mistake. And then what happens is that we fail we make mistakes, we sin, we fall short. And then we find ourselves feeling condemned. The beautiful thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news of, the, of this book called the Bible, is that when you became a Christian, Jesus Christ came to live in you. We call it the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit comes his enabling, his strengthening, his ability to help you live a life that's pleasing to God. So what you and I need to understand today is that what pleases God is not that you're able to keep the laws perfectly, but that you, are, that you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. That is what brings pleasure to God. And the minute that you forget that is the minute that you start functioning the way you did before you were a Christian. And so I want to talk to you this morning about this life in the Spirit. I want to talk to you about how to live this life in the Spirit so that we don't go back to the old ways and so we don't come under the old condemnation that we had before we knew Christ. So many people try to win God's favor. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's only one way to win God's favor. There's only one way to make God happy. And that's by putting your trust in his son, Jesus. That's the only way. You say, well, what about, what about keeping the laws? What about doing good things? What about you know, living according to the scripture? Well, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But here's where so many of us go wrong. We think that this Christian life is all about do's and don'ts. When you became a Christian, you put behind you the old do's and don'ts way of, of, of thinking. That, that's, that's, that's just religion. When you put your faith in Christ, you developed a brand new relationship with God, and it's a relationship of love. This is the difference between religion, just mere religion, and putting your faith in Christ, is that you now have entered into a love relationship with God, whereby God loves you, and you love him. Now, when God looks... At Alan Denkaff's heart, you know what he sees? He sees Jesus. When God looks at your heart, if you put your faith in him, this, is just, this only applies to those who have put their faith in Christ and who are saying, yes, I have accepted Christ into my life. I'm a Christian. This, this, is, this, is, this is who I'm talking to now. Those people who said, I put my faith in Jesus. When God looks at your heart... He doesn't see you in all your sinful ways and all your sinful past and all the terrible things that you've done. He doesn't even see the terrible things that you did yesterday. What he sees is his son, Jesus. He sees Jesus who is perfect without sin. We call this grace, the grace of God. I asked you last week to read Romans chapter one to seven. If, you've, if, you, if you read that, you'll, you'll have come across the message of God's grace in Romans six. God's grace is his undeserved love towards those who don't deserve it. He looks at you again and he sees Jesus. He doesn't see you in all your failings, your past, your past sin. It's the good news. It's the good news of God's love for this. That's why, folks, there is no condemnation. Because your sin has been punished. Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin. In just a few weeks, we'll be celebrating Easter, folks. That's what Easter is all about. It's all about Jesus paying the price for your sins and my sins. No, some people are under this impression. Well, if I've got God's grace and he's taken away my sins, and if, he lo- if, if when God looks at me, he just sees Jesus, he doesn't see me, well, that means I can live any way I want, right? I can sin as much as I want. I can do as many bad things as I want because it's all been covered by Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. Well, i got to tell you this right now. Some people are under the impression that they can live any way they want. But I'm going to tell you, it's a deadly impression. I'll tell you why. Because here's what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Let's read it. Letting your sinful nature... Oh, let's start again. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. So what we're talking about now is what we call life in the Spirit, whereby... You've given your heart to Jesus. God has forgiven your sins. But now you're living in this love relationship with God where you are no longer controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit. We call it life in the Spirit. Now, Paul tells us there's one of two ways to live in this life. There's one where you're controlled by the sinful nature, and the other, you're controlled by the Holy Spirit. Look what it says here in Romans 8, 13 to 14. Two ways of living in this world. For if you live by the dictates of your sinful nature, dictate, has anybody heard of dictator? Yes, there we go, same, same root. For if you live by the dictator, which is your sinful nature, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will die. Live, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Now, here's the evidence that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You are led and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Folks, this is the life that Jesus Christ has called us to. He's called us off the wide road. Remember, we've talked about that, that wide road that leads to destruction and then the narrow road that leads to heaven. That narrow road, Jesus says, is a road that very few find. If you're going to live the life that leads to heaven, and remember, I keep telling you as your pastor, my job is to get you safely home. If you're going to live that life, then you're going to have to learn the discipline of being led, not by your sinful nature, but by being led by the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about that for a moment. A life that's controlled by the sinful nature. What is the sinful nature? Now, I could give you the definition, but here's what I know. Everybody here today could give me the definition. You would, your words would be different, but basically you'd be saying the same thing. The reason everybody here could give a definition of what the sinful nature is is because everybody here is sinful. Oh, yes. Yeah. So you agree with me on that? Nobody's offended. I haven't heard anybody's feelings. Nobody's going to walk out on me now. Nobody's going to move now. <laughs> That's that's our nature. We inherit it from Adam and Eve. And even if you have no religious inclinations, if you've never been to church before, and if you you say, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in this stuff, you cannot deny that we all have what we'd have to call a sinful nature. What is a sinful nature? Well, before I go any further... I want to read to you a passage from Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 9. And it talks about the sinful nature. Listen to this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. People dominated by the sinful nature, they think. Constantly thinking about sinful, sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. You're seeing a difference now. You're seeing a pattern emerge. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Now, before I go any further, I've got to just say this to you. This is a a beautiful test to see where you're at spiritually. If you want to know where you're at spiritually, ask yourself the question. Do I have peace in my life? Is my mind at peace? Am I peaceful? Or am I anxious? Am I uptight? Am I angry? Am I bitter? Am I I in a tizzy? Am I in a turmoil? Is your life running smoothly? I always know when my life is not where it needs to be, where I'm not on track because things start going bad for me. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? My first experience of this was when I was a youth pastor at Charleswood Temple, which is now Grace Community Church. The pastor resigned. I was a new pastor. I was an interim pastor until the new pastor got there. And I found myself being so busy and so uptight and so anxious that I didn't have the time for my devotions the way I needed to. By the way... I want to encourage you, if you don't know how to do devotions, how to have a daily walk with God, sign up for that retreat before the spots are all filled. But I wasn't doing that. I found myself doing a quick prayer. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, you're 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 stuffing boiled hard-boiled eggs and toast into your mouth, and you're praying, dear Jesus, please help me through this day and help me help me to get it right. And you know, you read a few verses out of you know, your precious promises box. Oh, here's a good verse. And, Hope that something good will come out of that. So this is where I was at. I was just, just basically, you know, doing the, the bare necessities in terms of my walk with God, and my life is out of control. I'm uptight. I'm anxious, and I don't know it. So many of us don't. Not until something bad happens, something goes wrong. And for me, I got my very first speeding ticket. I was driving through a Assiniboine Park. How many know that that's a park and not a shortcut? <laughs> and how many know that if you do use it as a shortcut, the speed limit changes? And so I'm, I'm trying to, I think, man, I can shave off a few minutes. <laughs> a few minutes. It tells you how uptight and anxious I am. I'm, and, and waiting for me at the pavilion were the police with a big smile on their face. Welcome to Assiniboine Park. Here's a ticket for 100 bucks, And I'm saying, God, I thought you loved me. Anybody with me on that? I thought you cared about me. I thought you, Were the angels looking out for me? I, I think I left the angels way beyond the dust. I don't think they could keep up with me that day. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's wintertime. The roads are icy. Everybody's slowing down. But not me, because I've got things to do, and Jesus is with me, right? I'm racing down the perimeter. It's iced up completely. Everybody's crawling along. And I'm thinking, man, what a bunch of wimps. Until all of a sudden, my car starts to spin. Like a ballet <laughs> on the perimeter. And the thing that brought me to a stop was a cruiser car and I lost my front bumper or my back bumper, pardon me somehow I swung around knocked the back bumper off so now I'm bumperless at least back bumperless put that bumper in the back seat of my car and I'm in a terrible state and dear God, where are you? and, and, and Lord Jesus and God's trying to get a message through to me that he is with me but I'm not listening and this is hilarious like There's my bumper sticking in the snow in, in front of my parking spot. A couple days later, I'm coming through a back lane. It was a year when there was lots of snow. Didn't see a car coming, and they knocked the front bumper off. <laughs> so now I know where my stall is, where I was living. There's two bumpers standing at attention, guarding my stall. I found myself falling on my face before God, recognizing that I was trying to live this life on my own, in my own strength, in my own power, and saying, God, forgive me. I want to just say to you today, if your life is running out of control and crazy things are happening and things are not right and you're wondering, where's this smooth Christian life? Could it be that the Spirit of God is trying to get your attention could it be that you're living according to the dictates of your sinful nature rather than by the dictates of the holy spirit that was the case for me i wasn't doing any great great crimes i wasn't it's not like i was selling drugs in the back lanes it wasn't like i was you know breaking into banks or fornicating or i, I my problem folks as I was trying to handle life in my own strength. Folks, this is called living life according to the sinful nature. The sinful nature, here's what I know for for a fact, and everybody here will agree with me. When you try to live life according to the sinful nature, you're going to get it wrong every time. So if life is not going smoothly for you right now, and if you don't have the peace in your life that you think you should have, could it be that the Spirit of God speaking to you. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. Did you know that about yourself? As long as you're controlled by your sinful nature, you're never going to be able to, to fulfill the commands and the laws of God. You never could and you never will be able to. What you need is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to God at all. Now, the good news today is, is that is if, if, you, if you're not being controlled by the Spirit of God, if you've not allowed God into your life, you can do that today. You can simply ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin, confess to him your need of him, and he'll come into your life. And the Bible says that you will receive the, in, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the, in, the empowering of the Holy Spirit so that you can live a life that pleases God. Now, here's what we do know about the sinful nature. The sinful nature is a mind controlled by the sinful. That's what the sinful nature is. It controls the mind. In fact, the Bible says that it thinks about sinful things. Your mind goes down that road. Now, before anybody goes to an extreme and thinks, you know, I'm talking about just pornography or adultery or, or, you know, the biggies, I'm I'm just talking about living life in a manner that that either pleases God or doesn't please God. For instance, my van is 2007, over 220,000 kilometers on it. And I thought, you know what, it's time for me to go look, start looking for another vehicle. And I went to the dealership where I first got this vehicle. And the guy says to me, he says, have you ever got a vehicle with us before? I said, well, this vehicle that I'm driving right now, I purchased here. Oh, okay, okay. I said, he says, "Uh, do you get your car serviced here? I said, no, I don't, as a matter of fact. In fact, I haven't been back here since I bought it for anything. He says, well, why is that? Well, I said, well, when I first got my vehicle, here's what happened. The windshield was broken, and I made a deal that I would buy the vehicle if they replaced the windshield." The fellow said to me, Look, it just, uh, you know, bring the van back and when you get a chance, we'll replace the windshield. So I did that after about six weeks. I had the time. I brought it in. And then, you know, here, here's what the guy said to me He says, Could you do me a favor? I said, What's that? He says, Could you claim this windshield on your Auto Pack? So I said, Rather than replacing the, the windshield, you want me to go to Auto Pack and claim a break and then you will replace it? He says, yeah, and don't worry about paying a deductible. So here's what I said to him. So I said, you want me to lie and cheat about the windshield? Is that, is that correct? He said, well, I wouldn't call it that. I said, well, what would you call that? Well, it happens all the time. I said, well, not with me, it doesn't. Here's the thing, sir. If you're prepared to cheat AutoPak, How do I know you're not cheating me? His face went beet red. I said, "Uh, you're going to replace this windshield, and then you're not going to see me again. Until last night, under new management, I went into the place, told them about my situation. And the guy looked at me like, what's the big deal? He couldn't understand what was wrong. With that salesman trying to make a deal like that. Okay, folks, look at. I didn't get uppity. I just said, okay, you know, nice to meet you. I'm on my way. There's no way I was going to do business with this place. He didn't understand. He did not even get it. Because the sinful mind is so used to thinking sinfully and functioning sinfully. And operating in a sinful fashion that it, no longer, it can no longer distinguish what's right and what's wrong. The Bible calls this having a calloused heart. When you continue to function and to follow the dictates of your sinful nature, what happens is that your heart becomes calloused so that you find yourself being comfortable with sinful behavior with behavior that doesn't please God. In fact, we just read in the Scripture here that the the sinful nature is actually hostility towards God. It never will obey God's laws. It doesn't obey God's laws. Do you know, I used to go to a barber in downtown Winnipeg. Best barber I ever had cut my hair better than anybody cut my hair. And... I'd go to that shop, and he'd cut my hair. I'd try to get there early in the morning so that I didn't have to wait in line. In fact, I never waited in line. But times, things got busier and busier, and then finally, um, I found I couldn't go there anymore. I had to quit going there. And I'll tell you why, because in that barber shop, and if you don't know what a barber shop is, it's a, it's a place where men get their hair cut. Not women, just men. I brought Nicholas there and Sarah there or Jesse, Nicholas and Jesse there when they were little, and Sarah once. Uh, Gloria would never let a barber touch her hair. But sometimes if she would come with me, what she would do is she would go into the, into the barber shop and they go around, and turn all the magazines over because of the magazines in a men's. Barbershop. You get where I'm going with this? Now, because I, I would go in there, um, I would always bring my Bible or bring a book to read, and I never paid any attention to it. And so it wasn't a big problem for me, because wherever you go, you're going to see this kind of stuff. But here's, a, here's what became a problem, is that the guys that would come into the shop would begin to tell dirty jokes, very crude language, so much sexual innuendo. And would go on and on. And then one day I said to Joe, does this look like a sewer to you? This is my ear, and it's not a sewer. I don't want to hear that kind of stuff. I don't want to be part of that. So I'm sorry, I'm going to have to take my business somewhere else. Why did I do it? I mean, I was witnessing to him about Jesus Christ. He was asking me questions about the Lord all the time, and what's the difference between Protestantism and Roman Catholicism and on and on and on. But here's, here's what I discovered. I discovered that he wasn't changing, but something was affecting me. It was changing me. And I felt the Spirit of God speak to my heart and tell me I needed to remove myself from a situation where my mind would be affected by what I'm hearing. Now here's what everybody needs to know today. If you and I are gonna live this life in the spirit, it means that you and I are gonna have to make some big changes in the way that we live our lives. So many people have this idea, I become a Christian, I sit back and then let God do his thing. Can I just tell you that there is nothing worse than that way of thinking? You are in a relationship with God, and you make decisions, you make choices on how you're going to live your life. And if there's something that needs to change in your life, you must take the initiative to make those changes. You need to remove yourself from that situation that is affecting you spiritually, Jesus has called us to live life in the Spirit. And until we understand that there is the old sinful nature that is warring with the spiritual nature, until we understand that, then you and I are going to go on wondering why we're never advancing spiritually, why we never have peace, why why does this Christianity thing not really work? I'm telling you, it does work. But what you need to understand is you need to understand what it means to be controlled by the Spirit. Look at this. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Now, a Christian is somebody who is led and controlled by the Spirit. That's the definition of Christianity. That's what it means, is that you now have the Spirit of God living in you and enabling you to live this Christian life. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be Spirit-controlled? Well, first of all, it means that you think about the things that please the Spirit. Romans 8, 5 says, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So the question that I have for you today is, what are you allowing into your heart? What are you thinking about? Has anybody ever remembered the term garbage in and garbage? Yeah, you you know all about that. Many of us are actually living our lives to please our sinful nature and not the spirit within us. Do you know what I'm talking about? I could go on a rant this morning against television and against movies and against the culture and social media and the internet and even billboards, but I don't need to go on a rant about that today. I don't need to rant about how it is so anti God and anti Christian and anti spiritual because you all know it already. I, you all know about it. You know that this culture that we live in is evil. And that's why, that's why we're reminded in the book of Hebrews that we are not citizens of this world, we don't belong to this culture. We are citizens of another place. It's a place called heaven. Did you know that today? The Bible tells us that we're just passing through. We're visitors here. And while we're here, we're supposed to live our life doing what? Being controlled by the Holy Spirit. But you know all this already. Do you know there's nothing new under the sun? Some people think, well, this is such an evil generation we're living in. It's never been so bad. I, I, you know, if you, if you knew your history, you'd know that that's it's not true. It's always been bad. Always. There's always been crime. There's always been evil. There's always been horrible, horrible things. When our family went to uh, Europe in 2009, we went to a place called Pompeii. Anybody heard of Pompeii? It was destroyed by the volcano, the ash, literally filled up the, the city, and everybody was sort of frozen in time, dead. They excavated it, and here's what they discovered. They discovered a culture, a society, that was, that was extremely pornographic. People would have pornographic pictures up in their living room, in their bedroom, in their, in, in their homes, mosaics, intricate mosaics of the most pornographic images. And as, a, as the guide was taking us on our tour throughout the city of Pompeii, we saw some amazing, we saw beautiful homes and, and, uh, and some of the shops, and I think there was a McDonald's there. Something like a McDonald's. Um, and then we came across a brothel, the place where people would go to get prostitutes. On the front right on the right on the face uh, the face of the building were the most pornographic images and the tour guide was leading us all in and I said I'm sorry but I'm I'm not taking my family in there and she why not didn't have a hot clue why I would not want to take my children in to a place to view pornographic images Yes, they're 2,000 years old, but they're still pornographic images. You know what I'm talking about? So I said, do you mind if we not go in there and go another way? She said, well, meet us. And She's kind of a little bit, I uh, thought she was seen a little bit put out, but she said, just meet us over there and we'll catch up with you. There's nothing new under the sun. There's a whole culture, a whole society, utterly and completely saturated with filth. When we were done our tour, we came to the end and there was a kiosk. And the kiosk was full of posters, postcards, books, carvings of the most vile and filthy things that you could imagine. We had to grab the kids and cover their eyes and usher them away from that. Folks, this world is not our home. And you and I are called not to live by the dictates of our sinful nature, which loves this culture. We are called to live by the dictates of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Because here's the thing, we become what we think about and we dwell, what we dwell on. So I don't need to start listing to you all the sins that our culture, our society has to offer because you know them all already. Some of you are wrestling and struggling with them even now. By the way, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm not sitting here to condemn you today. What I'm here to do today is to wave the flag and say, hey, are there some changes that need to take place in your life? Are you living according to the dictates of your sinful nature, or are you being led by the Holy Spirit? Here's what the Apostle Paul says to the church in Philippi. He says this, Philippians 4.8. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, here's what I know about all the media, television, movies, whatever, internet, everything. It's saturated with that which is impure, with things that are wrong and and, and dishonorable and false, and things that are not excellent, and things that are not worthy of praise. And that's what we're being bombarded with on a daily basis, and our sinful nature loves that and swallows it up. So I want to ask you a question. What kind of changes do you need to make in your life? One pastor was faced with this dilemma. He knew that there were some changes that needed to take place in his church because people in his church had fallen under the dictates of their sinful nature. His pastor in New Jersey commanded his church leadership to get off of Facebook, to sign out, to quit it. Because it was just, he didn't say this to the whole congregation, he just said it to the leadership and then recommended it for his congregation. Here's why. Because he says too many congregants are using it to cheat on their spouses. He says to his staff, delete Facebook or resign. Wow. Well, listen to this. Miller said that over the past six months, some 20 couples at his church had sought his counseling for infidelity problems because either the husband or the wife had reconnected with an old flame on Facebook, and they were using Facebook as a using the Facebook site as an online singles bar to pick up men and women. Now, I'm not telling you to go and 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 get off of Facebook, but if you are using Facebook, to sully and to hurt your spiritual nature, then by all means, get off of it. If if you're struggling with television and it's, it's messing up your spiritual life, then you need to get rid of it. You need to cancel it. If through your internet, through your laptop, through your computer, you're finding yourself engaging in things and experiencing things that you ought not to be, you know what to do. But understand this, the Spirit of God is here today to speak to your heart, to show you what to do, and you must do it. Christianity is not a religion where you park your brain at the door and just expect God to do something. Listen to me, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and calling you to respond to him, to do whatever you need to do to make sure that your heart is not controlled by the sinful nature. There is only one way that you are gonna live this life in the spirit, and that is by putting to death your sinful nature. 20 couples at his church needed counseling for infidelity. Get rid of the temptation, get rid of the thing that is causing your sinful nature to engage. And rather fill up your heart with those things that cause the spirit within you to engage. Do you know in 2012 divorce lawyers surveyed said that Facebook was implicated in a third of all divorces? Can you believe that? I could not believe it. A third of all divorces were caused or were implicated through Facebook. What kind of changes do you need to make in your life? What things have got to go? I, I, I don't know. You know. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to understand that this culture is, is not Christian friendly. Has anybody noticed how the church and how Jesus Christ, Christianity, are always attacked by the media? Has anybody noticed that? You don't attack Buddha. Don't attack Hinduism. It certainly won't attack Islam. But no problem attacking Christianity. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because our culture, the Bible says, is hostile towards God. This culture is not your friend. This culture is under the influence of what the Bible calls the prince of darkness. And the prince of darkness is masterfully manipulating our culture. And you and I should not be engaged in it. It We shouldn't be engaged in it in the sense that we're enjoying it. Rather, we should be engaged in it in the sense that we bring light. In destroying our sinful nature, Paul says this, put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. You've got to put it to death. And right now, as I'm speaking, here's what I know. I know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about something in your life that needs to go, something that needs to change. No, I can't show up at your house and check on you. I can't do that. But I can tell you who will. The Holy Spirit will. And he'll keep on tapping you. And he'll keep on making you feel uncomfortable. In fact, you'll lose your peace, that peace I was talking about. And you'll feel, you'll feel unsettled. Folks, don't be alarmed by that unsettled feeling. Understand that the Holy Spirit is working on you. The Holy Spirit is tapping you on the shoulder. He's nudging you. He's not going to let you go. He's not going to let you go until you make the necessary changes in your life. Why? Because God loves you. Because God wants you to inherit eternal life. There was a, an artist by the name of Maplethorpe, a homosexual, and he was producing so-called artwork which features a crucifix, Jesus on the cross in a beaker of urine. And it, the title of that piece of art is piss christ. I remember it so well because president reagan got involved. And here's the here's the thing. Maplethorpe was getting tax dollars to produce this kind of artwork. Some said it was brilliant. But I think the majority understood that it was not just blasphemous, but it was utterly ridiculous. Now, this shouldn't shock us. I remember Jerry Falwell and all the moral majority, everybody up in arms about how evil this is. Of course it's evil. This culture, this world hates God and hates Jesus Christ and hates what we stand for. Does everybody understand that today? And you are being called to live life in the Spirit. You should not be embracing this culture. You should not be comfortable in this culture. Rather, you should recognize that you're a stranger in this world and you're just passing through. Folks, this is genuine Christianity. And as a pastor... Here's my great dilemma and my great sadness. There's a generation of new churches arising that are doing everything they can to embrace the culture and to use the culture to communicate their message. And here's the problem with this, folks. First of all, if you read the Bible, you'd find out you can't do that. But you know, if a pastor's not reading his Bible, he'll come up with anything. The Bible says, What fellowship does darkness have with light? How many know today that darkness and light have no fellowship? Everybody understand that? They don't mix. And so it is with you and I. If we're going to live by the Spirit, and controlled, being controlled by the Spirit, then you and I have to live radically different than the people who live in this world. Do we condemn them and judge them? Absolutely not. But what we must do is we must be a light in the darkness. Not living according to the standards of this world. Not living according to the sinful nature of this world. But living under the control of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to close with this. Back a few months ago, we talked about the seven habits. And I just want to remind you once again what these habits are all about. Because the Bible says to put put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. The only way that you're going to be able to live this life in the Spirit, the only way that you can put to death the deeds of the sinful nature is by replacing that sinful nature with the spiritual nature. By changing your old habits, exchanging them for new habits. I can't tell you to stop doing this, stop doing that, stop doing the other thing, but what I can do is I can tell you that you need to establish a new way of living. That's why we recommend that you start working on these disciplines, these habits, that transform your life. Adopting these habits is how you're going to put to death your sinful nature. And only in putting to death your sinful nature can you allow your the Holy Spirit to dwell in you richly, to empower you to live a life that pleases him. I was really concerned about adding the seventh habit to the list. That seventh habit said to give. Why is, it impossible for, why, is it, why is it so impossible for us to give? I'll tell you why. Because our sinful nature loves money. Did you know that? And our sinful nature wants that money so that we can have whatever we want and do whatever we want. We give as an antidote against greed, against selfishness. What is, a selfish, what is that, that, that sinful nature? I'll tell you what the sinful nature is. The sinful nature is just pure selfishness. What's Jesus' message when he came to this earth? Very simply, it's to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and what? And love others as you love yourself. Folks, this is what it means to live Life in the Spirit. You no longer live for yourself. You no longer put yourself first. You no longer advance your own agenda. But now you start living for God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you start living for others. That's what those habits are all about. Life in the Spirit. Free. I'd like you to stand with me, please, as we pray. If you just look at me for a moment. The Spirit of God is moving in this place right now and speaking to you. And there's things in your life right now that the Spirit of God is speaking to you about. I want to encourage you. Don't push it down. Don't ignore it. But say, yes, Lord, I'll do what you're calling me to do. Understand this, that God has called you into a divine romance, a divine relationship with Him where you love Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And if you're going to really love God, that's going to mean that you're going to have to stop your infidelity. Gloria and I married for 25 years. I hope you don't mind me repeating it every Sunday because it's the most thrilling thing for me, a great milestone. But I've tried with all my heart to remain 100% faithful to her in all things and all ways at all times. Do you want to know something? God's called us to love him exactly the same way. I wonder how many of us, if our spouses would put up with the infidelity, the kind of infidelity we have towards God if we had that same measure of infidelity towards our spouse. You're called to love God the way you love your spouse. And, and, and God's calling for 100% fidelity. The only way that that's going to happen, folks, is through a love for God. Love for him that's, that far outweighs and far outshadows everything else in your life. Father, as we come to an end this morning, we, we acknowledge our need of the Holy Spirit to work in us. We acknowledge, God, that so often we, we find our sinful nature is taking over. Thank you today, God, that there is no condemnation, but there's a reminder today by your Spirit, Lord, to, to let go of those things that are causing us to be unfaithful to you. Help us, God, we pray, to let go of those things that that are unacceptable. And help us, oh God, to fall in love with you all over again so that our heart is set only on the things that the Spirit of God desires. And we thank you, God, that for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us and empower us to live this life that pleases you. We pray these things for Christ's sake. Everyone said it with me? Tell the person beside you, live life in the Spirit.